Greetings, comrade, and welcome to the eastern border. Sorry for uh, making this episode maybe so quickly or something, but um, I promised to do this sort of thing a while ago for one of our um, Discord members, Maxnert. He's a really cool dude, but um, right now it kind of fits into, into the atmosphere. And, uh, you know, I'd like to remind you all that um, I have two master's degrees, one in philosophy and one in history, and I specialize in political philosophy. So, before we get into today's news, I'd just like to ask you, how much do you think about identity politics? Not the ones that, you know, maybe some social justice warriors, or whether you view them positively or negatively, well, whatever you view them, push, but really politics about identities. How often do you think about those? Well, they do matter. Because, for example, do you even speak to people on the plane at all? Like random people who travel to you next to a plane. Like, you know, I'm playing with you next to your seats. No. More often than not, you're willing to spend four and a half hours or more, or three hours, or just an hour and a half, or whatever the amount of time there is for you to spend without even acknowledging that they exist. Now, if your plane gets delayed, then you get to talk to them. If your plane gets delayed by like an hour or more, then you get then you get to make friends with them. See, there was this um, study which showed that actually when, when massive fires happen and, and like when massive troubles happen in general, people tend to not act upon their own survival instinct instantly. And this is, this is identity. This is what identity means. Because if you have more common identities with someone, then you can connect with them. To the sense of, well, let's just take plane travelers. If, if you're just uh, traveling on a plane, the person next to you is just another plane traveler. There's a lot of these people. The identity is shared among all of you. But when your plane gets delayed, you are delayed plane travelers. And that in the airport kind of singles you out. You have a shared common identity, which is much smaller than the bigger one. Same with football fans and everything. Like there was a study in Britain where it was shown that people are much more willing to help someone wearing their own like team's football shirt than just a random person. We care about these shared identities. We are ready to help much more and identify much more with someone whom we identify with. Very simple, to be honest, but uh, it is how it is. And when our plane gets delayed, we are already not just travelers, but distressed travelers. And that's a much smaller identity, which you share with much smaller amount of people, therefore you care about it more. And this goes with everything. This is why, by the way, uh, the so-called bad boys are loved by women in their teenage years. Because not like uh, the bad boys are more generously kind of better in life or anything. It's just that the society, a, a healthy society, needs some rebellious elements to function fully. And by being rebellious, they also show their independence and their ability to reason with their own hands. As dumb as it might sound, but it is true. Girls like bad boys because they feel like they might be good prospects for the future because they have independent thoughts, you know, independent reasoning. It's an evolutionary, evolutionary thing, to be honest. I'm telling you this because, well, 
imagine what happens to a society which intentionally destroys these things. We might not even recognize them, but you know, you connect with people who are similar to you. You have a shared identity, and that's what makes you tech. I'm very happy that I have an identity of Eastern Border listeners. Don't know why you exist, but uh, hey, that's your problem, I suppose. <laughs> just, just kidding. It's it's my problem because I really want to make you all happy. However, there is a shared identity among all these places in Russia, and they're being destroyed. For example, Russian army commander responsible for Moscow's air defenses was arrested just on bribery charges. General Konstantin Ogninkenko, who leads the first special purpose air and missile defense army, which is responsible for Moscow's air defenses, has just been arrested for bribery. According to the state news agency TASS, the criminal case was opened in July 2023. If found guilty, Ogninkenko could face up to 15 years in prison. He's already in custody, at least until November 27. The newspaper Commerçant writes that Ogninkenko and Major General Dmitry Belyatsky, commander of Russia's 4th Air Defense Division, received 500,000 rubles, around $5,000, from the head of the organization Hope. This was the first part of a bribe totaling 30 million rubles, around $300,000, for which the military promised to allocate land for development in Dolgoprudny and Lobna, near Moscow, belonging to Russian Defense Ministry. Belyatsky partially admitted guilt and made a plea bargain. He was put under house arrest. Ogienko maintains that he is not guilty. He was removed from his post after the criminal case was started. And again, think about the identities. At the same time, we have another news. The Gosduma Speaker of Russia, Vice Speaker Pyotr Tolstoy, raised the issue of Russia's withdrawal from UNESCO. The Duma vice speaker did this in connection with UNESCO's criticism of the draft law allowing in some cases clear-cutting for the purposes of tourist development of the Lake Baikal. Quote, In such international organizations, we need to defend our economic and geopolitical interests and not to support with our participation the opinion of the Western establishment about what Russia can and cannot do. Of course, they would not like Russia to develop its phenomenal tourist opportunities. Why? Because it's better to let, to let rich Russians go to Horshevel through the thorns. It is now very much possible that all the forests, that in all the forests around Lake Baikal, well, they'll be cut down and the shore will just be built up with whole thousand water parks. You know. And at that point, you know, if you do that, well, no one go to France anymore. That's the thing. The identity politics are very important in crowd control. It might sound stupid, but that's one of the things that you learn in, in philosophy. Crowd control is one of them. Because people do not randomly smash or rush against anyone else if they know they have a connection with it. Very few cases have been established like this. Mostly people with some identity with their own people are much more caring. Like Americans, no matter which state you are, no matter which party you vote, if you're in Europe, you are Americans, and that connects you together. And if you're both like voting for the same party, oh boy, that ties you together even more. That's the identity politics. Identity politics means that you have some identities that you identify with, right? 
and that you have some other people whom you share these identities with and then you can like join together with them and then make decisions together or that you want to help them more. But um, as every totalitarian government, Putin's government today, right now, has to make decisions that is directly opposite of making people making these shared identities. Like I said, this identity politics is not about, like, I don't know, wokeness or whatever you want to name it. It doesn't matter. What it matters is that each society is built upon a set of shared identities. Like, I'm a Latvian. I love the Latvians. You might be an Australian, an American, a British person, a Canadian, a German, Dutch, Filipino, whatever. But that is an identity, right? You might be a small business owner, like I am. You might be a working class person, an academical person, whatever. That's also a shared identity. Like, we all have a bunch of these shared identities. What Russia is doing right now is just that it's systematically destroying, due to how it needs to control everything, these shared identities. And I'm telling you all this because this is just yet another thing which seems super academical if you think about it like at first, but if you look at, it, at the real world situations and everything, this is what's going to happen to Russia. How do they even intend to keep themselves together if, if basically they, they can't even keep themselves together as it is? They, they lack these shared identities. For example, see we have a scholar, Valery Garubzov. And thankfully, he and his colleagues, who share some identities, are not going easily. Last week, after penning an essay about Russia's post-imperial syndrome and the Putin's regime reliance on anti-American myths, Garubzov lost his job as the director of the United States and Canada Studies Institute at Russia's Academy of Sciences. Roughly a week later, the Institute staff issued a public statement in Garubzov's defense, published simultaneously with a second article by Kremlin Propaganda. All three texts initially appeared in Nezavisomaya Gazeta, independent newspaper, but the newspaper quickly unpublished the faculty's letter without explanation. And the problem is that, uh, yeah, these guys actually knew what was happening out, like, in the West and everything. This Garbuzov guy, right? He had his own connections, but we're talking about these, these identities, and he was an academical person first, everything else second. He joined the United States and Canada Studies Institute in 2000 and became its director in 2016. The institute is considered one of the Russia's leading think tanks on United States matters, particularly during the Soviet period, when it exerted significant influence on Moscow's foreign policy. Today, the institute employs more than 130 people, including 85 research experts. By the founder's decision, so to speak, Gabruzov was replaced on September the 1st, 2023, by Sergei Kritsen, the 33-year-old head of the Center of, of, for the Study of Strategic Planning at the National Research Institute of World Economy and International Relations. Iskrans, that's the institute that he was replaced for, press service directly linked Gabruzov's dismissal to his August 29 article on the lost illusions of a bygone era, published in Nezavisimaya Gazeta, a newspaper owned and run by Konstantin Remchukov, who's worked closely over three years with Moscow Mayor Sergei Shibanyan. You know, that was just weird. So what did he, what did he say? And how does this tie to identity politics? 
Well, Gabrusov here argues that expansionism was fundamental to the formation of the Russian state and continues to shape its foreign policy today in the quote-unquote tragic pattern of collapsed empires failing to reconcile with diminished stature. He characterizes this as a typical post-imperial development, albeit with a unique delay in Russia that largely concealed its menacing character for some 30 years. Perhaps even more controversially, Gabruzov says Russia's contemporary ruling elite exploits anti-American myths to keep itself at power. In the past, writes Gabruzov, the Soviet regime plunged society into a world of illusions, built on the utopia of global revolution and the dogma of capitalism's general crisis. Modern Russian state propaganda has resected these old myths in rhetoric about supposed Western decline and resistance to globalization and um, so-called, which I find really funny, Anglo-Saxon dominance. Gabruzov states that the United States and China are the only two remaining informal empires, but Russia maintains its own special orbit as a hostage of its own imperial complex. This, he argues, explains Moscow's current foreign policy and the problems that it inflicts in the world. Gabruzov compares the Kremlin's attitude today to the frustrations of Winston Churchill and Charles de Gaulle, who struggled to overcome their imperial feelings in the aftermath of World War II. Not only is Russia's current mythology dogmatic and illusionary, says Kim, but it's also based on unstable and eclectic jumble of conservative ideas that are too antiquated to suit the country's modern society or serve as a timeless and universal global platform for Moscow. Gabruzzo warns that the entrance of czarist notions of power has conflated the ruler with the nation, robbing the country of its more lasting identity. Again, this is where identities come in. I hope you catch the drift, but then again, I respect the intelligence of you guys listening to this. So we're talking about nation's identity and identities within a nation. Hope you get it. Not my best voice today, but kind of had to make this. Sorry. Quote. The nation's current minions of authoritarianism, similar to the satraps of ancient Eastern despotisms that have receded into oblivion, apparently completely without historical consciousness, shamelessly, renderly, and sincerely identify the head of the state with the state itself, the country's temporary ruler with the great national and historical constant. Russian state propagandists recognized Gabruzov's essay for the indictment it is and responded by dragging him in the media and online. Vladimir Solovyov, the magnificent fucking bastard that I want to murder, has been particularly outspoken in his criticism, attacking Gabruzov in detail during his August 30th evening television broadcast. On his Telegram channel, Solovyov has also advocated a financial audit of the United States and Canada Studies Institute, encouraging others to scrub Gabruzov's other work for, quote, echoes of the Nezavisimaya Gazeta article, and suggested the United States State Department will defend him before an American university eventually offers him a job. Note, I would like American University to offer me a job, but uh, I don't know. First, I have to work for my PhD. <laughs> or Japanese University as well, because, you know, that's also an option, but just want to go a bit further from the danger. Garbuzov denies any connections to NATO, emphasizing his personal roots in the cities of Pskov and St. Petersburg, and defends his time as a Fulbright scholar as a normal experience the Russian government once supported. Quote, and myself, I am not a secret Western intelligence agent. I'm not an Anglo-Saxon spy, and I am not a domestic enemy of my own fatherland, wrote Gabruzov. 
adding that his critics are apparently unaware that the quote-unquote open and contentious nature of the knowledge and humanities, end quote, plays the role of oxygen in the generation of new ideas, end quote, end quote. Defending his colleagues, Gabruzov wrote, quote, the Institute's research team has never been and is now not now a test of foreign spies or a cell of cunning carbonari, making secret plots against the Soviet state or its successors. And his colleagues also have spoken out. His fellow researchers said, the false, groundless, and shamelessly exaggerated allegations against Iskran's academic team as director are nothing more than a crude, incompetent attempt to undermine and discredit a Russian school of American studies that it's taken decades to build and establish around the world. Etc., etc. The problem here is that, uh, again, we're talking about identities. What does it mean to be Russian? What does it mean to be American? What does anything mean? Why do you guys stick and listen to my show? That's also an identity. Everything's an identity, and the closer we are, the more we care about each other. But if you, your country is trying to eliminate every possible aspect of you having some common identity, well, then what else is there to expect? They're just afraid of individualism, in a way. I mean, they sort of like people working hard, but they just don't get it. Yesterday, just to add to this, I was watching how... Um, to my best nemesis, well, uh, current best nemesis, Mikhail Kalashnikov, you know, he had invited a um, a shoe businessman to his show. And the shoe businessman is apparently one of the biggest in, in all of Russia. And he said that, quote, modern society, especially in the West, they couldn't do anything if internet would be switched off for them. The problem here being is that, yeah, but what if it is on? The thing is that um, they lack this common idea at all. The Russian youth shares nothing in common with the Russian older people. They try to, but they're failing. Because Russian older people, you know, they're just happy that how life was in their eras, but they just do not care about how anything might have changed or some, something have like become different. And the younger people, they've been raised upon the attitude of no no one should care, people in the above can see more and everything. They like this thing. I mean, like, we in Europe might mock the United States civil religion, as, as we call it. You know, your constitution and worship of your founding fathers and all that stuff. But then again, you have something, right? There is a little more that gives legitimacy than just, you know, the results of some elections. It's the belief in your institutions. It's the belief of your shared identities. First and foremost, you do believe that that is your common man that was with you. And there are options, for example, academ academical people feel closer to academical people and everything. But when you're voting patterns, when, when everything that you do goes to just destroy these internal bonds and make everyone's identities just less, no one in Russia is allowed to be anything more than just a Russian. You can't be a Russian liberal, you can't be a Russian scientist, you can't be a Russian anything except just Russian. Think about what that leads to. Again, it might sound depressing, but uh, yeah. I start to believe more and more that Russia truly is a failed state. We're not going to see anything good out of it. It's going to collapse and it's going to be difficult. And that's better to admit it as, it as it is right now. And I wish I had better news from the front to you, but... Those I simply don't have. I just promised to actually speak about 
this identity stuff in Russia. So I did. And we'll continue onwards, of course, in the future as well. When I will have more sleep and when I will have um, probably probably some better news because today I'm also, I saw some pictures, you guys. I saw some pictures of, of the explosions that happened in the market uh, and everything yesterday and that just kind of stunned me. So I just went through my backlog and found out that I need to make this episode so that some things would get better. Don't know if it makes things better, but uh, hey, I tried. I tried. That is not an option. That is no Russia in general, but that is no Russian identity at least. Not at this point. Doesn't seem to be. Everything else local is much more powerful. And uh, we just have to think about what we can learn from this. And how. How can we make sure that, uh, you know, this apathy, this hatred for your fellow man, does not become normal in our countries. Depressing, yes, but uh, I think a bit useful. So, that's it for today. Sorry for the chaotic episode. Like I said, I'm just checking through what I have missed of talking about and answering to my Discord people. And I hope this was useful to you. I'll report as soon as I have something. And as always, remember, happiness is mandatory.